right, good morning, everyone. It is awesome to see you guys. So my name is Pastor Zach. I am not the pastor, I'm the student pastor here. So I wanna thank Pastor Mike for letting me hang out with you guys here this morning. I wanna just say, it is exciting to see you guys here. It is New Year's Day, so you never really know kind of what everyone's schedules are, who's gonna be here. But to see you guys all here, what this shows me right now, this is a church who's after the presence of God that we are here wanting to see God move in 2023. And I wanna just say right now, you did it. You got here on the first Sunday, your new year's is off to a great start. And so we are excited um, to start this year off right. So here's what we're gonna do. We have a, it's a family service here today. So we're gonna have a little bit of fun right now to get this service started. So we wanna just say, of course, if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you are here. This is gonna be fun for you to watch, but this is gonna be right now for everyone who's here in person. More specifically for all the kids right now. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Raise your hand if you guys have seen that movie. So you guys know the premise of the movie, and if you don't, I'll explain it right now. The whole premise is Willy Wonka, he puts these golden tickets inside different chocolate bars. And if you happen to find one of the golden tickets, you get to take this ticket to the chocolate factory, and this ticket gives you access into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. So what I did right now is I have hidden one of these golden tickets behind one of the bulletins and one of these chairs here today. And so what we're going to do right now, like I said, this is for all the kids right now. For any, If you're in from first grade all the way up through high school, we get to all hang out here together. I have a little prize for us right now. Whichever kid can find the golden ticket. So right now, let's do this. You can look behind your seat. If you happen to be an adult who finds the ticket, maybe just uh, Give a, give, a, give a little hookup to the kid next to you. So go ahead and look for it right now. If it's not behind your seat, maybe see if you can start looking around some other seats. I'll give you a hint here in a second if we don't see it. <laughs> Keep looking. It might be uh, somewhere over here. I think I see a golden ticket. You can hold it up there. She's passing it over to a kid. Who is she passing it to? There we go. Make some noise. Bring that ticket up here. Make some noise for him. Come on up here, guys. You can bring your brother. There's more confidence when you're together. So these are the greatest thing that I give away in student ministry. This is a whole entire thing of sour punch straws. Make some noise for them. They won the prize. Here you guys go. Don't eat them all at once. You guys can take those or you guys to keep. Good job. We played a little game in our student ministry, a white elephant, and that was the thing that got stolen the most amongst our leaders in student ministry. So those are really good. I have a few of them in my office too. So here's what we're gonna do today. I, I wanted to talk about this golden ticket right now because this is gonna be kind of the illustration for us to talk about what we're gonna be talking about through our text today. And I wanna try to explain to us why it's a problem when so many of us as Christians treat our faith like a golden ticket. Right? What I mean by that is I think there's a lot of us who are Christian who believe in the gospel, right? We've put our faith in Jesus. We believe all of it to be true. But the idea of kind of like intimately knowing God seems somewhat like unattainable. So what we do is we get our faith and we hold on to it like it's a golden ticket. as like our life insurance policy. If I can just believe, I'll get my golden ticket and then I'll be able to go to heaven. And the idea of knowing God is something we kind of just put off. Like once I get there, once I get to heaven, I'll be in the presence of God. I'll get to see him and I'll probably get to know him then. And so because getting to know God in this life sometimes seems hard or seems confusing, what a lot of us do is we treat our faith like a golden ticket and we, get, and we settle for the idea of following God but maybe not actually feeling like we know God. 
right? And a lot of us, we know the difference between following and knowing someone. Social media has taught us that very well. Uh, how many of you guys ever done this on Instagram? Maybe you searched up your name and just said, let me just see how many other uh, Zach Foxes there are out there. And what are they doing right now? I've done that. I typed in Zach Fox and I found one guy with like the most followers. Uh, he had a bunch of followers, like some music producer. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And I could scroll on his profile and I could scroll down in his pictures and see what some of his hobbies are and I could see what his family was like and see the things he was doing and learn a lot about him. And I can learn a whole lot about what he's like by following him on social media. But a lot of us know the difference of sitting across the table with someone and having a conversation and asking them, man, what are your desires? Right? What are you passionate about? Right? What do you dream about? What gets you excited? What are your struggles? That's a whole nother level of knowing someone personally, right? God is not content with us just following him. He wants us to know him. And so what we're going to read today, we're going to be unpacking this passage where Jesus is going to be talking to us about this idea between living in the now and the not yet. And what that means is right now, we all as Christians, we live in the now, we live in this present age, yet we live in this tension of living in this like fallen and broken world, yet having all of the hope of looking forward to eternity to the not yet. And we have to try to figure out how do we live inside of this tension, And so Jesus is going to be unpacking this for us today. And I hope for all of us, I got a simple message for us, but I hope this can just help us take another step in our walk with Jesus to know him personally. You guys ever heard the term intrusive thoughts? You guys heard that term, anyone? It's like a new term. Basically, it's like when a thought comes across your brain, it's like a really bad thought, like when it happens. And it's like, why did I just think that? Um, When I was 18, I was, had my license and I was driving at this time and I had one of those intrusive thoughts and I was on the road and I was like, what happens if a car just like, just like hits me and I just die right now? Like, what if anything can happen? What if I was driving a tree just falls on me? Like, what would happen if I just died right now? And the reason that was a really scary thought for me at that time when I was thinking about it It's because at this point in my life at 18, I believed in Jesus. Like it all made sense to me when I thought about all of it. Like the whole idea of there being a creator and a God and this being a sinful, broken world and Jesus being the reconciliation, like all of it made sense to me. I believed in who Jesus was. But at this point at 18, I was far from like following Jesus. My life was anything but like uh, looking very Christian. I was doing pretty much living life my way, totally apart from living God's way, but I believed, right? I remember hearing, man, faith is just believing. And so I remember I thought, like, if I died right now, would I go to heaven? I believe, no, I'm not, like, I'm not praying, I'm not going to church, I'm not doing anything that's following, but I believe. You know, at that point in my life, I honestly didn't know what the answer was. It's a really scary place to be in. But it brings up an interesting point for us. Really, what is the point of our faith? What is faith? I mean, is faith just like having a golden ticket? Is it just about trying to believe and just making sure you find the truth? Because if you can get this golden ticket, then you can go, ah, I'll go to heaven. Everything's okay. But maybe you're like me as a Christian. You're like, I know I believe, but I still struggle so much with sin. How do I know if I have the golden ticket? Am I living a good enough life? Am I following Jesus enough? How do I know if I'm even going to make it? See, all of this can start to be so confusing. And on top of that, if our faith is just a golden ticket, if that's all God wants, if he wants us to just make sure, put your faith in my son, Jesus, and you get one of these golden tickets and you're going to heaven. If that's true, then it brings up another big question is, why does this life have to be so difficult? 
why is all of this so hard? Have you ever asked that question? God, why do you have to make this so hard for me? You know, everyone I've talked to, this is true for every single one of us, no matter who you are, what you go through, what trial comes your way, what difficulty we all go through, at the end of the day, every single one of us asks the exact same question. Why? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? God, why didn't you stop that? God, why didn't you change that? God, why does it have to be this way? God, why? All of us want to know the answer to that question. And so on your guys' bulletin, if you want to grab it out right now, I want us to do this. We're going to kind of start this way. Um, and this will hopefully carry us through the rest of the message. But I want us to think about this right now. You can put the slide up. Where do I need God to show up in my life? <clears throat> to really think about that. Where do I need God to show up in my life? And just think about anything. Right? Any of us can put anything. If, you're, if you got video games for Christmas this year and you're stuck on level 10 and you've broken like 10 controllers, you need God to help you with your anger, right? But for any of us, just think of anything you can think of. Do I need God right now to show up in my marriage? Do I need God to show up with me with this addiction I'm battling? Do I need God to show up for me this year in my, just my confidence, in my loneliness, in my family, in my finances, in my health. Think of anything, whatever. If you're having trouble thinking of something, just write anything down and put it on the paper and put it in writing because we're going to be able to look at this as we talk about the rest of our talk here today. Where do I need God to show up in my life? Now, just to give you some expectations, I can't answer the question for us today, why? Right? No one can answer that question. Why does God allow certain things to happen to you? Only God can answer that question. However, what we're going to look at today is I believe Jesus is going to give us some incredible insight onto that question. And we're going to learn today there are some things far more magnificent and beautiful about living this life. This life is not just something we're just trying to pass through so we can get to heaven. There's something that God is doing here and now, and there's something that God is calling us to here and now. So let's talk about this. You guys ready? We're going to jump into the passage, and we're going to start by talking about God's kingdom here on earth, the now. So here's how the passage starts. In uh, Luke 17, verses 20 through 21, it says this. It says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is. It's over there for the kingdom of God is already among you. So what's cool about this is um, a little while back on October 2nd, Pastor Mike, let me come up here and um, uh, give a message back, back then in our series called What If? And it was all about the kingdom of God. And I got to study like really deep, what is the kingdom of God? And I got to do my best to kind of present it from like the whole totality of scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, understanding the kingdom of God kind of connects the whole entire Bible for us. So if you want more on that, if you like learning, you can go back and listen to that and hear a little bit more about the kingdom of God. But essentially... Here's what the kingdom of God can be understood as. God's people and God's place under God's rule, right? And all of scripture is about God working on a plan to reconcile people back to himself. When we rejected God and rejected the relationship that he created for us by saying, God, I don't wanna do things your way, I wanna do things my way, that puts sin as a barrier between us and God. So God sent Jesus as the answer to that solution to reconcile us back to himself, 
So when Jesus came to this planet and all the Jewish people were waiting for a king to establish an earthly kingdom so, God can, so God's people can rule over all the earth and take down all of the nations, when Jesus came to bring a spiritual kingdom to not defeat nations, to not overcome people, but to defeat sin and to win the hearts of people, this is what God Jesus killed. Because he didn't meet the expectations of what people wanted from him. But God is not interested in establishing earthly kingdoms. He wants people. Why? Because his greatest desire is that we be in a personal relationship with him. And so when it comes to the kingdom of God, what's happening here in this life, um, it can be understood as this. The kingdom of God rules over the sin that is inside of us. The kingdom of God is not of this world, it is within us. This is why when they say, when, um, Jesus said, listen, the kingdom of God can't be observed if it's over there or over here. I mean, there's not like a place on the planet where you can see the kingdom of God is among us. Jesus was going, listen, hello, the kingdom of God is among you. Why did he say that? Because he's going, listen, it's standing right in front of you. The kingdom of God is found within Jesus. Jesus is the king who brings the kingdom. And where is Jesus? He rules the hearts of people. Jesus is the king who rules our hearts. Jesus is the king, and he is the kingdom, and he brings the kingdom. So just kind of have that in your mind right now, so it's going to kind of connect the rest of this. But we're going to read the rest of this passage right now, and this is going to be a lot of verses. So I hope you guys want to sit up in your chair. Are you guys ready for this? I mean, some of you guys had a late, late night last night, but you're ready for this right now. This passage, in my opinion, is fascinating because this is about Jesus talking about his return. And it's very unique what he says here from what we kind of think about his return. And so I want us to read this right now and check out just how interesting this passage is. So let's read it together. So now Jesus kind of focuses his attention to his disciples. He was talking to the Pharisees, and now he looks to his disciples as kind of more of a teaching moment. And so he's going to talk about the kingdom to come, right? What we're looking forward to in the not yet. So here's what he says. He says, then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the son of man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there is the son of man or here he is, but don't go and follow them. He's saying, listen, after me, there's gonna come a lot of false uh, saviors of the world. There's gonna be a bunch of people who are gonna present themselves as the savior of the world. He says, listen, don't follow them. And here's the reason why. He says, for as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so will be on that day when the Son of Man comes. Meaning when Jesus comes back, there's going to be no second guessing. We're not going to be like, I think I saw Jesus on a social media video. I think he's coming back right now. No, it's not going to be like that. Somehow the whole world's going to know. The whole sky is going to flash from one end of the earth to the other. And we're going to know, okay, this is it. This is Jesus. But the son of man must first suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the son of man returns, it will be like as it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and partings and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world would be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out of the deck of a roof must not go down to the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. 
Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep, one in bed and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be girding flour together at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Where will this happen, Lord, the disciples asked. Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs will indicate that the end is near. So really intense passage, right? Just is talking about his return. And I don't want to be long-winded. Maybe if this was a different day or a different message, we can talk about all the things that are happening right now, that there's Bible prophecy being fulfilled like never before in any generation, showing that there's every reason for us to believe that Jesus could come back in our lifetime. There's no reason why you shouldn't believe that. There is, it's just crazy what's happening. And so Jesus gives us some insight here about what it looks like for us to live in the now while we're waiting for the not yet. And it's so interesting that he brings up these two guys named Noah and Lot, right? Both of these guys are described in the Old Testament as being uh, uh, righteous men because of their faith. And both of these guys lived in totally just depraved and sinful cultures. In fact, they had rejected so much of God's will that both the, the people of that time had to be destroyed. And Jesus says it's going to be like that before he returns, but he doesn't say because of their sin, which is interesting. Did you catch what he said here? Their sin, as great as it was, was not their biggest mistake that doomed them to an eternity of destruction. It was their indifference. It was their idea of just being busy of being so caught up in better house, better jobs, better money, better finances, better parties, marrying, drinking, buying, getting caught up with all the things of this life that they got so busy that they rejected Noah, they rejected Lot's invitation to repent and turn to God. They rejected the idea that God's presence is here, that they can be welcomed into the kingdom of God, and they missed it. Why? Because they were so busy, and that ended up being their destruction. Jesus goes, listen, it's going to be just like that when I return. People are going to be so busy and so caught up with better houses, better money, better parties, better things, everything that consumes this life that they're going to miss my invitation to know them. Woo, that's way more scary to me. Today, anxiety and worry are ranked as like one of the top mental health struggles that we all struggle with. And for all of us, we know what it's like to struggle with worry. Some of us know how crippling anxiety can be, but all of us know what it's like to feel with to struggle with worry. In fact, we all wrote something down. And most likely whatever we wrote was a cause of worry. And worry is always the cause of circumstances, right? It's these outside forces that we feel like are against us, causing us stress and worry. So therefore, what do we do? We put all of our focus in trying to fix our circumstances because if we can fix our circumstances, that should make our worry go away. Because in our minds, peace is the result of the absence of worry, so we put all of our focus right into making things better. More money, the right boyfriend, the right girlfriend, better health, better house. All these things should take our worries away, right? Because if we don't have worries, then we should finally have peace. But we know that isn't true, right? Someone came up with the saying, I don't know who said it, but it goes, mo money, mo problems, right? Why is that? Why is it that there's so many celebrities and people we see of prominence who achieve everything in this life? They get all the money, all the fame, all the accolades. They can buy everything that this life has to offer. Yet when they reach the pinnacle of the ladder of life, they end up telling us they're more depressed, more broken, more empty than ever before. 
Maybe it's because they finally realized that they can get, you can achieve everything this world can give you, but peace doesn't come from the things of this life. See, Jesus, he came to this earth with a powerful message that he is the king who brings the kingdom and he can bring peace to our hearts. So I want to end today's talk by just talking about the presence of peace with us here today. And so to do that, I want to kind of explain the Trinity to us. And it's going to kind of bring this whole message together, and I'll kind of wrap it up, and it's going to put all this into perspective for us. But when you really kind of understand the Trinity, um, it really helps us understand how our relationship with God works. And so when I say the word Trinity, what that means for us as Christians, we believe in one God, but he has three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, for a lot of us, if you're like me, when I was first was trying to understand that, I would get really confused when I would pray. I'd be like, okay, one moment I'm talking to God. Oh, man, I forgot about Jesus. Okay, now I'm praying to Jesus. Oh, what about the Holy Spirit? I would get really confused with it. Here's the easiest way, I think, for us to understand the Trinity is for us to start understanding ourselves. Okay, we are made in the image of God. You yourself, as you're sitting here, you are three uh, different parts as one person. You are your mind, you are your body, and you are your spirit. Right, your body, you are not like everyone touch your arm right now, okay? You are not just this walking ball of like human flesh, right? You're a you're a person. And your body cannot do anything unless your mind tells it to do so. Right? If your arm wants to raise, your mind has to tell your arm to raise. If your mind tells your body to jump, then you jump. Right? Your mind is how you conceptualize the world. It's how you think, it's how you plan, it's how you understand and, and, and live your life. And your body is how you interact with this world according to how your mind tells it to do so. But you have a spirit. And your spirit is like the essence of who you are, right? Your spirit is what makes you you. Your spirit is what gives you your personality and your spunkiness. Your spirit is the essence of you. In the same way, we can kind of understand God as mind, body, and spirit. God the Father is the mind. He's the one who orchestrates all this. He's the one who has everything working out according to his will. He's the one who's put all things together. And Jesus can be understood as the body of God. Not just because he had a physical body, but because Jesus will literally say things like, I can do nothing on my own will. I can do nothing unless my father tells me to. The same way my body, it's how my body works. If I'm walking down the road and I see a little dog, I'm like, I just accidentally kick it, right? I can't be like, oh, I'm so sorry. My left leg just hates labs. You know, I wish it didn't do that. No, my body doesn't do anything unless my mind tells it to do so. Do you understand how amazing that is about Jesus? That Jesus literally was the body of the mind of God. That Jesus could do nothing, he could say nothing, he could do nothing unless it was uh, commanded by God because he was God. This just makes it so cool when you want to understand who is God. How do I get to know this God I want to know? Just open up scripture and start reading about who Jesus is. Because Jesus is the exact perfect representation of who God is. That means all this compassion for the lost. His rebuke for the prideful. His hunger to want to have compassion to heal and to, and to bring healing to the broken. His just like deep, fierce love for people like you and I. That is who God is. But then there's the Holy Spirit, who is the essence of God. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. And that is what we receive as believers. When you put, our, when you put your faith in Jesus, we receive, it says, the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit, again, it's the very essence of God. It is the presence of God. Why is that so amazing and profound to understand? Because when you put your faith in Jesus, God's presence is not something to hold on to a golden ticket to hopefully get to see one day. God is not like up there in heaven and we're just living our lives down here on earth. And there's kind of this distance of God just watching everything from above. God's presence is here and his presence is with you and his presence is is in you. So what does this tell us about difficult circumstances then in our life? You know, I've yet to ever talk to a person who finally makes like $100 million in 2022. They just bought their favorite super yacht. They're sitting on top smoking a cigar and they go, you know what? I've accomplished everything in this life. I'm feeling so good. I think now I'll surrender it all to God. And they give their heart to God and they have an encounter with him. I've yet to talk to anyone like that. In fact, it's usually always the opposite. Think about your story. It's the same for my story. It's oftentimes when we're the most broken, when we're the most hurting, when we're the most desperate and we have that just like final cry to God going, God, I need you right now. God, I need you to show up. Do we open ourselves up to a real encounter with God that changes our life forever? So what does that tell me? Psalms 23, which many of us are familiar with, was written by King David. King David was a man who knew about having highs and lows in his life. In fact, when Psalms 23 was written, it was actually believed that at this point, he was chased off the throne by his own son who wanted to murder him. And he was often hiding out probably in a cave. And he writes Psalms 23. And here's what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's presence can be encountered in the valleys. In fact, I take it a step further than that. And I say that there's something so unique about suffering as it opens us up to the presence of God. That most of the time is from the depth of like our pain and our struggle. Does that birth a dependence on God that changes us forever? This is the main thing I wanna try to communicate here this morning is that our faith is not a golden ticket into heaven, that our faith is a golden ticket to God. And that because this life, God's presence is here now, that means there's something just so beautiful about this life when we learn to walk with God. And that God loves us way too much to see us become like the people of of Noah and Lot in those days where they got so distracted by the comforts of this life that they missed out on the presence of God who was here, the presence of God who wanted a relationship with them. That sometimes our suffering can open us up to what God desires most, which is a relationship with us. And the beauty of this life is when we walk with God, when we have the presence of God with us, the Christian life is not all about just suffering and woe is me and everything should just be miserable. No, it's the opposite. When we have the king with us, we have victory. When we have the presence of God with us, we have a God who provides, we have a God who cares, we have a God who can change any circumstances. This is why I love, and I'm gonna end with this right now, is that it's New Year's right now. Right, New Year's is always such a fresh way to kind of set vision for the new year. We're in this pivotal place every single year when it comes where it's the beginning of a new year. We can look back at the past year as good or as horrible as it was, and we get to make a decision now looking forward to the next year. And we get to start setting some vision for ourselves and saying, man, what do I want to see happen in my life this next year? What do I need God to show up this next year? What do I want to see change in my life this next year? 
And we get a chance right now to make a decision and say, you know what? I wanna take it as an experiment. I wanna see how close I can be to God this year. I wanna make a decision right here, right now that I'm gonna take God with me in every single room I go to. I'm gonna take God with me into every single conversation I have. I'm gonna have my King with me in everything I do. I encourage you to come next week because we're gonna be talking about that as a church together. Pastor Mike's gonna be talking all about what it's like to create vision, not just for our church, but for yourself personally and what it looks like to grow in your relationship with God, to see God's spirit move collectively as us as a group, to see what God can do in this city. It's an exciting start to this year. And so here's what I wanna end with, right? To understand that our peace is not connected to our circumstance. Our peace comes from the presence of God because he is the presence of peace. So here's some action points and I'm gonna just, I'll say this really quickly and we'll end right here. I want us to just do this. This is hopefully some stuff that can kind of help us. When we talk about the presence of peace, here's how I think we can get there. It's number one, to embrace trials. None of us want, none of us like want suffering. It's okay to say that suffering is not good. It's tough, it's hard, but to embrace it. Because what we should never do, we should never allow suffering to cause us to want to run to the escapes of this life. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, sexual things, all these things are ways that our culture is used to running to escape the pains that this life inflicts on us. Instead, if we want to see the embrace the presence of God, the presence of peace, is that we don't run to the escapes and the comforts of this life, that the pain brings us right to the feet of Jesus because he's there with us in the valleys. And secondly... I guess it's reversed orders. But secondly, we, we pray with authority. That we, do we believe that God can change any circumstance? Like, do you really believe when you pray that you're speaking right into the throne room of God? That we pray with confidence. We pray that we're not praying that God hears us, that my prayers will hopefully reach outside this room. No, the presence of God is here with us. That when you pray, you're speaking right to the presence of God. We believe that God can bring change to any family. He can bring healing to any marriage. He can bring healing to any situation. There is a God who can change circumstances. And Jesus would tell us time and time again, he says, man, I want you to pray so much that you bug God. He says, pray so much that you pester him. He says, don't give up praying. Pray every single day. And if you pray about it, I have this motto. If you pray about it, God's gonna do something about it. But stay consistent. Don't give up. Pray with authority like you know who you're talking to. And the last thing is this is that we seek the presence of God for peace. That we're not trying to change our circumstances on our own. We're seeking God's presence, knowing that he is with us. And that peace doesn't come trying to fix our life. Peace comes from knowing God and just letting him change things. I mean, just think about this. I mean, is this, are you looking for maybe just some financial help this coming year? Seeking the presence of God, going, God, I'm gonna trust you with my tithe when it makes no sense because I know you change circumstances. A lot of us wanna find a good husband, a good wife. Are you focusing on your relationship with God first before you expect God to bless us? Seek the presence of God because the number one thing he wants from us is a personal relationship. This life is hard, this life is confusing, but there's something beautiful about the sufferings we go through as it opens us up to the presence of God who's right there. So as we end right now, I wanna just remind us, peace doesn't come from trying to fix our circumstances on our own. Peace comes from pursuing God who is the presence of peace. Let me pray for us. 
Father, I love that we just sang that song, um, that last worship song. What an awesome moment that was for us to start this year off collectively as a church, God. Where we cry out, God, we want your presence here. Put a hunger in us, God, to be desperate for you. We thank you, God, that your presence is attainable. We thank you, God, that following you is not about trying to follow all the right rules and trying to just make sure we can earn a golden ticket, God. All you want is a relationship with us. And we don't have to wait to heaven to know you, God. You are here now. Lord, we look forward to 2023. We look forward to see what you're gonna do in our families. We look forward to see what you're gonna do in our relationships. We look forward, most of all, God, what you're gonna do in and through this church, God. And we wanna put you first in everything we do. Fill us with your spirit, God. Fill us with your humbleness. Fill us with your passion. Fill us with your love for lost people. Lord, give us a hunger to wanna cling to you, Lord. And we thank you for all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.